Chapter 10 of the Radio Planet. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Alexis Duclos of the French podcast Citizen Cage. The Radio Planet by Ralph Marlon Farley. Chapter 10. The Siege of Sir. Miles quickly extracted the bullet from the back of the wounded Verking. Then tender furry female hands bore the victim away, as the earthman stood in thoughtful contemplation of his find. There could be no doubt of it. This was a steel-jacketed bullet, identical with those used in the rifles of the Ant-Man. How came such a weapon in the hands of the savage and untrained Roy's? It was inconceivable that these uncultured brutes had overwhelmed Neuformia and captured the weapons of the Ant-Man. No, the only possible explanation was that the Formians had formed an alliance with the Roys and were either fighting beside them or at least had furnished them with a few firearms, the use of which they had taught them. But this last idea was improbable due to the well-known shortage of rifles and ammunition at Yuyana, capital of the new Ant Empire. No, if the Ant-Men were in alliance with these furry savages, there must be Ant-Men present with the besiegers, and the shot in question must have been fired by the cloth of Ormian. This opened up new terrors for the village of Sir and its inhabitants. Miles glanced apprehensively at the southern sky, half expecting to see and hear the approach of a Formian plain. But the radiant silver expanse was unmarred by any black speck. Sir was safe for the moment. His musing thus completed, Miles hurried to the public hall to communicate this discovery to Crota and the village authorities. He found the headman already there, in conference with Crota. Said Miles, exhibiting the bullet, Here is one of the magic stones thrown by one of my own magic slingshots, which is capable of shooting from the ground to the top of your cliffs and even penetrating your palisade. It is big magic. With its aid, the Roys can overcome us. Without it... I am powerless. Therefore, we must secure possession of it. What do you suggest? Crota replied, It is now sunset. Let us select a squad of picked scouts and try to stalk the camp of the enemy. No, no, the headman of Sir exclaimed in horror. Never have our men dared to attack the Roys by dark. Do the Roys know this? Miles asked with interest. Most certainly, was the reply. Then, he said, all the more reason for attempting it. They will be unprepared. The magistrate shrugged his furry shoulders with, If you can persuade any man of Sir to attempt anything so foolhardy, I shall interpose no objection. Within a twelfth of a day, Crota had enrolled twenty scouts, and with Mal's cabot, 
they had all begun the stealthy descent of the narrow winding path down the face of the cliff before starting they had observed the direction of the roy campfires on one of the surrounding hills so now they crept quietly toward that hill and then slowly up to its crest in spite of the dense blackness of the porovian night they were able to find their way first by starting in the correct direction and then by keeping the lights of their own village always behind them as cabot had expected from the remarks of the headman there were no sentinels on posts for the enemy were quite evidently relying on the well-known verking fear of the unknown terrors of the dark indeed it spoke volumes for the individual courage of the twenty-one members of this venture and for their confidence in their earthman leader that they had dared to come finally the party emerged from the underbrush at the top of the hill a few score of feet from the tents and campfires of the roys there motioning the other to remain where they were until he gave a signal miles crawled forward always keeping in the shadow of some tent until he was able to peek through a small bush beside one of the tents directly at the group around one of the campfires just as cabot arrived at this observation post a roy warrior was declaiming i told you it would work for had i not seen it demonstrated fully to me you yourself saw it kill now will you not believe me another spoke i cannot understand its principle how can a weapon kill a four and yet not resemble either a sling or a bow and another show us how it works friend then perhaps we may be persuaded and a third i do not believe that he has it where it the original speaker nettled spoke again it is in my tent there you doubters indicating the one beside which cabot crouched quick as a flash cabot wriggled beneath the back of the tent into its interior the campfire light penetrating through the slit opening in front revealed nothing but rumpled blankets on the floor and ordinary weapons slung to the tent pole so the intruder commenced rummaging among the bedding the conversation outside continued prove or be silent said a voice you saw the verking fall did you not the original speaker replied true but i did not see you sling any pebble meanwhile cabot continued his frantic search at last it was rewarded in one corner of the tent his groping fingers closed upon a formian rifle and a bandolier of cartridges a thrill ran through him at the touch to prove it to you the voice outside was saying angrily i will get it for you and if you do not believe me i shall slingshot you with it that ought to be proof enough even for a stupid one like you i have said it 
The signal for my exit, Miles said to himself, as he hastened to crawl out through the back of the tent, but then he reflected. No, I want more than this gun and ammunition. I want information. So he remained. As the Roy entered the tent and felt for the rifle, the crouching earthman flung himself upon him. And before the startled furry one could utter even a gasp, strong fingers closed upon his windpipe, throttling off all sound. The struggle was over in a few moments. When Miles Cabot finally crept out of the enemy tent, it was with a limp form under one arm, and a bandolier and a rifle slung across his shoulders. The conversation at the campfire continued. One of the warriors was saying, Our friend takes long to find his wonderful slingshot. Methinks he was lying and does not dare to face us. Said another voice, let us pull him from his tent and confront him with his perfidy. At this, Miles sprang to his feet and ran to the cover which concealed his followers. Rushing among them as we planned, he urged, while you two come with me. Then, on his pet down the hillside towards the lights of Sir with his captive and trophies and two previously picked member of the band, while Crota and the remaining eighteen charged yelling into the midst of the Roy camp, upsetting tents, scattering campfires, and laying about them with their swords. Straight through the camp they charge, shouting, Make way for at the terrible. Then they circled the hill under cover of the darkness and rejoined Miles. The startled Roys were taken completely by surprise. From the cries of Crota and his followers, they assumed that the intruders were Roys, partisans of at the terrible, attacking them for being partisans of Grod the Silent. As they came rushing out of their standing tents, or crawled from beneath such tents as had been wrecked, they met others of their own camp, similarly rushing or crawling, and mistaking them for enemies, started to fight. The confusion was complete, and never for a moment did the naked furry savages suspect that the whole trouble had been caused by a mere handful of Vikings. Truly, as Poblath the philosopher had said, while enemies dispute, the realm is at peace. While the Roy followers of Grod the Silent fought among themselves until they gradually discovered that there was no one there except themselves, Miles Cabot and his Ver Kings safely regained the village of Sir with the rifle, the ammunition, and the still unconscious Roy warrior. In the public hall, under the tender ministrations of working maidens, who would far rather have plunged a flint knife into him, the captive finally regained his senses and looked around him in bewilderment. Where am I? he asked, rubbing his eyes. In sir, someone replied. Then are we victorious? 
for never before has a royal set foot in sir no your forces are not victorious crota answered you are a prisoner and it is only by the grace of cabot the minorian that you are permitted to come here even as a prisoner for the men of sir take no prisoners and give no quarter in reply mouse himself stepped forward i myself am cabot the minorian he said to which crota added impressively the greatest magician of two worlds the prisoner shook his head i know of only one world he asserted and this man before me is dressed as a mere common soldier as are all of you know then o scum of poros the earthman admonished that there are other worlds beyond the silver skies and that in the world from which i come all soldiers are gentlemen but the royal warrior was not to be subdued by language how did i come here he asked you did not come here miles answered you were brought i brought you but how by magic what magic my magic cart which swims through the air as a reptile swims through the waters of a lake true the roy mused there be such aerial wagons for i have seen them near the city of the beast of the south mark well mouse interjected to the assembled verkings then to the prisoner again i captured you because you possessed the magic slingshot and presumed to use it on one of my own men this effrontery could not be permitted to go unpunished hence your capture the offending weapon is now mine and you are my prisoner what do you propose to do with me the captive asked i propose to ask you some questions mouth evaded first where did you get the magic slingshot the great magician knows everything the roy replied with a sneer why then should i presume to tell him anything but the earthman remained unruffled you are correct he countered i asked i ask not because i do not already know but because i wish to test whether it is possible for one of your degraded race to tell the truth why test that came back the brazen roy for doubtless you who know everything know that too miles could not help admiring the insulting calm with which this furry man of inferior race confronted his relentless captors who are you rash one he asked the prisoner drew himself up proudly with folded arms and answered i am otto the bold son of grod the silent ah mouse said the son of a king and i am the father of a king well then as one man to another tell me where you got this gun gun otto queried is that the name of this weapon of bad omen know then that i got it from you yourself when i wounded you beneath the tree beside the brook at the foot of the mountains before the workings of judd the excuse maker drove me off i have spoken and spoken truly cabot replied 
concealing his surprise with difficulty. Of course, why had he not guessed it before? But there were still some more points to clear up, so he continued. Why did you shoot those two arrows at me in the house at the top of the mountains? Because we wished to explore the house. But you killed my companion. Whereupon I resolved to kill you in revenge and to capture the noisy gun. And is that the right word? So I trailed you. The rest you know. Remember, I know everything, Miles said, grinning. But did you ever see anyone but me shoot the gun? You know I never did, was the reply. No one on Poros, save Cabot the Magician and Otto the Bold, has ever done this big magic. I saw the results, but not the means, when you killed my companion. So I experimented for myself after I had stolen your gun, and soon I learned how after which I carefully conserved the magic stones until last night when I shot one of the Vare Kings of Sir, so as to give visible proof of my magic powers to my doubting comrades. The Earthman heaved a sigh of relief. There existed as yet no alliance between the Formians and the Roys. Pray heaven that such a calamity will never suggest itself to the minds of either race, for if so, then woe to Vare Kingia. Son of a king, he said, return to your people and your father. Give him my greetings and tell them that you are the friend of a great magician who lent you his gun, who transported you through the air within the walls of Sir, where no Roy has ever stood or will ever stand, and who last night caused phantom warriors to attack your camp under the guise of followers of At the Terrible. Go now. My men will give you safe conduct to the plain below. And what is the price of this freedom? Otto disdainfully inquired. The friendship of a king's father for a king's son, Miles Cabot replied with dignity. The two drew themselves up proudly and regarded each other eye to eye for a moment. It is well, Otto the Bold declared. Goodbye and he departed under the escort of a Verking guard. The master knows best, Crota remarked, sadly shaking his head, but I should have run the wretch through the body. The next morning Cabot thanked the headman of Sir for his hospitality, and took up the return trail for Verkingi, the vacancies in his ranks being filled by the loan of soldiers from Sir. The party had gone but a short distance when they found the way barred by a formidable body of Roy's. But before this came within bowshot, a bullet from Cabot's rifle brought two of them to the ground, whereupon the rest turned and fled precipitately. Later in a day, a bend in a road brought them suddenly upon a furry warrior. Miles fired, and a man instantly fell to the ground, but when they reached the body there was not even a scratch to be found on it. The bullet had missed. Dead of fright, Mouth thought, but no, for the heart was still beating, although faintly, and the lungs were still functioning. Sit up there, Mouth ordered. Can't, the roid replied. I'm dead. Then I'll make you alive again, his captor declared. 
placing his hand on the head of the Roy. Abra, cadabra, communia. There it, the soldier sat up with a sigh of relief and opened his eyes. Stand up, Mouse ordered. For reply, the Roy jumped to his feet and started running for cover. Halt, the Earthman commanded. Halt, or I'll kill you again. The man stopped. Return! The man returned, like a sleepwalker. What do you mean by running away? Now, listen intently. Are you one of the men of Grud? Yes. Then go to Otto, the son of Grud, and tell him that it is the order of Cabot the Magician that Verking expeditions into these mountains in search of golden cubes and other minerals be unmolested. Tell Otto that he can recognize my expedition by the blue flags which they will carry hereafter. Now go. I have spoken. The Roy warrior ran up the trail and this time was not halted. Another mistake, Crota remarked half to himself. The rest of the return to Verkingi was without event. On the way, the radio man made notes of the best deposits of quartz, limestone, and fluorspore. Also, he carried with him a few large sheets of mica. But he found no traces of galena, zinc ore, or platinum. These would require at least one further expedition. Crota spared no extravagant language in relating to Judd the exploits of Cabot de Minorian in raising the siege of the village of Sir. And Judd repeated the story with embellishment to Theoth the Grim. Also, the long deferred sleight of hand performance was held at the palace, to the great mystification of the white furred king. Archilu did not show up to mar the occasion. In fact, Little Quiven reported that her sister was very indignant at the Earthman for trifling with her affection, and had turned to Judd in her pique. Needless to say, Judd had taken every possible advantage of Cabot's absence to reinstate himself with the chestnut-furred princess. But neither Miles nor Quiven appeared to exhibit any very great sorrow at this turn of affairs. So long as Archilus' hostility did not become active, the support of Judd and Theoth ought to prove quite sufficient. The standing of Cabot de Minorian as a magician was now well established, and accordingly Judd the excuse-maker and even Theoth the Grim were willing to accord him all possible assistance in the gathering of the materials with which he was to perform his further magic, namely Radio. Theof made a levy upon all the nobles and turned over to the earthmen upward of 500 soldiers with their proper carts and equipment. Judd himself, Quiven, still unknown to her father, and Crota, the soldier who had demonstrated on the expedition an intelligence far above his social class, were enrolled as laboratory assistants. Several enclosures adjoining Cabot's yard were vacated and converted into factories, in one of which were mounted a pair of huge millstones, such as the Verkings used in grinding certain of their food. 
Miles divided his men roughly into three groups. One group under Crota he established at the clay deposits to the northeast of the city to make bricks and charcoal. The second group under Judd were engaged in a mining operation, digging copper ore, quartz rock, fluorspar, limestone and sand at various points in the mountains and carting some of the limestone to the brickyard and the rest with the other products to Verkingi. The carters carried back with them to the mountains all the necessary supplies for the expeditions. The third group under Quiven were engaged in setting up the grist mill and in other building and preparatory operations. At the clay pits, the first operation was to scrape off the surface clay and spread it out thin in the open air so it would age fast. The limestone, upon its arrival at the brickyard, was burned in raw brick ovens and then carted to Verkingi to be ground at the mill. It was then shipped back to the brick plant where it was mixed with the aged clay first screened, molded into bricks, baked, burned and carted to Verkingi to be ground into cement. Some of the ground limestone was retained at Verkingi for use in later glass making and some of the unground for smelting purposes. Other aged clay was screened, moistened, molded and baked to form ordinary brick. Fire brick was similarly made by the addition of white sand finely ground at Verkingi, but this kind of brick had to be baked much more slowly. Thus, only a week or two after this whole huge industrial undertaking had begun, the radio man was in possession of fire brick and fire clay with which to start the building of the smelting furnaces. Meanwhile, Miles Cabot, with a small bodyguard, kept travelling from one job to another, giving general superintendence to the work, and when everything was well underway, he set out on another exploring expedition in search of galena, zinc ore and platinum. Quiven had furnished the inspiration for this trip by suggesting that the sparkling sands of a large river, which ran from west to east, about a day's journey north of Verkingi might contain the silver grains which he saw. So Theater is set out one morning with camping equipment and a detachment of soldiers. All day they marched northward across the level plains. Toward evening they reached a small estuary of the main stream and there they camped. As the silver sky pinkened in the west, Miles Cabot ran quickly down this brook to inspect the sands of the river, which lay but a short distance away. The pink turned to crimson and then purple. The darkness crept up out of the east and plunged the whole face of the planet into velvet and impenetrable black. But Miles Cabot did not return to the camping place. End of chapter 10 The Siege of Sir Recording by Alexis Duclos of the French podcast Citizen Cage